Hey everyone, welcome back to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. We appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode with us. Jenna, today we're being joined by one of our registered veterinary technicians, Janelle Duval. They've got a crazy interesting job here at the zoo. They work all over the place with every species of animal that you can imagine we have here. Janelle, I'm excited to hear about just your day-to-day -day job, but thanks for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm sure you guys are really busy, but it's I'm really interested to hear from you because I honestly don't know exactly what you do all day long, and you're one of our newer vet techs here, so I personally haven't gotten to work with you a ton, but I know you do a lot with Teresa and the giraffe, and each vet tech kind of takes their own like specialty area, it seems like, as far as training or kind of who you work with. Um, so we want to hear all about that and what you do on a daily basis here. But I don't know about you guys, but growing up, I didn't know, like, I didn't think of zookeeping as a job. I definitely didn't think of being like a vet tech in a zoo. And we talk about all the time how hard it is to become a zookeeper and how rare these jobs are. But you're one of three at a fairly large zoo. We're one of like... 60. I don't yeah. know how many full-time keepers there are. So your job is like really hard to come by. So did you know about that growing up? How did you get into becoming a vet tech in general and end up here and that sort of thing? Um, so I kind of grew up for a love of animals like everybody does, um, but it kind of grew into kind of a love for medicine in a sense too. So um, I started off working at a small animal clinic. So with cats and dogs mainly. I didn't have a lot of exotic animal experience um, and uh, the state that I live in kind of um, had a lax in rules a sense uh, compared to other states so I was allowed to do a lot of things that I didn't have to go to school for. It was kind of like on the job training. Sometimes um, is the best I feel like. Yeah <laughs> I mean you like learn tips and tricks of the trade that you don't necessarily learn in like school. Um, so I did that for a really long time and then it kind of, my love and passion for it was kind of dying out and I was like, I need, I need something else. I need something to kind of like reignite that fire in me and find something. So I decided to enroll in school and, um, the University of Cincinnati has a small program here that, oh, I didn't know that. yeah, so that has been around for quite a while, like 50 years. Um, and so I enrolled there, it's a two year program. Um, so you graduate with an associate's degree. Um, and then you do have to take like a national boards exam um, to become technically licensed. Um, and so I did that whole whole thing and then um, graduated, took my boards, passed my boards. And then um, during school, I did an internship at a zoo. And that's kind of where I found my, like, this is amazing. I want to keep doing this. Mm. And why am I not doing this already? <laughs> um, so I kind of pursued that. And it took a little while to find something because... Like you said earlier, there's not a lot of positions open, yeah. um, and usually when people get in them, they don't leave them. So um, I had a um, position open, and I applied for it, and I, I got it, and that's kind of like what deterred me, and then here I am. So that's when you awesome. were going um, to University of Cincinnati, was that focused on exotics, or was that like regular vet text? Well, I shouldn't say that, but like <laughs> your typical domestic animals. Yeah, so... Okay. The majority of the people that go to school, that's typically where they're going to end up. Just because it's there's more of a need for that um, rather than in a zoo. Just yeah. because if there's sometimes only some zoos don't even have technicians or they may, are lucky to have one. Um, and so it's just they focus more on what you're going to use. And then 
Um, that's why they highly recommend doing like internships, externships, or volunteering, something like that to get experience. Mm -hmm. um, because you, if, you know, you, you can know how to, to collect blood from a certain animal on a certain vessel or a vein, but it's not always, um, it doesn't always translate in different species. Sure. Right, like I can't imagine getting blood from a snake, for example. <laughs> you can't see their veins. I don't even, can you feel them? No. <laughs> there's usually <laughs> you go under scales and yeah. yeah. And so like there's a lot to kind of like there's a lot more to think about when you're doing things with exotics. One, because some of them are dangerous. Yeah. You can't always share the same space with them. Um and so you kinda have to think outside of the box too, which was like an added benefit slash challenge to the job. Yeah. Blessing um, and a curse, right? Yeah, right, because you're just not walking into an exam room saying hi to a client with their dog, you know, and petting the dog, and the dog's jumping all over you and happy to see you. It's not always that case here. Um, so we kind of have to use, you know, different methods or techniques to, to do what's best for us and safe for them and, and vice versa. Mm. God. Where was your internship? Was it here? Uh, actually, I did my, with school, I was at the Jacksonville Zoo. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. For a little bit, and then um, that was where my first job was. Oh, okay. Um, but in the meantime, while I was looking for a job in the zoo world, um, I did do like a post-grad internship here um, with the vet staff. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So then when you, so you graduate and then you you get a job with like cats and dogs and that sort of thing and then you're volunteering like do the do you just learn by watching did they let you do much like how was that as a volunteer here there are certain limitations you know like you mentioned there are dangerous animals and right, as right. a volunteer there's liabilities and things so you can't always do mm -hmm. things did you like kind of learn by watching and then get the job and then you're allowed to try things or you uh, I think it's dependent upon where you're at okay. and like their comfort level. Um, in my personal philosophy is like you're not going to be able to learn it if you're not doing it. Obviously we want everyone to stay as safe as possible so if it's putting someone in an, uh, an unsafe sort of situation it's not worth it. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and so we just kind of we work around those things and um, we do our best but I think that I try, especially with the interns that we take, um, really hard to make sure that they get a good experience, even from like the husbandry side of things and, and the um, medical side of things. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because we always say the same thing, like volunteer, do an internship, do something. So the zoo field in general, if you're interested in any sort of <laughs> position in, in regards to animals, like try and get your foot in the door. And it's not always about schooling. Like sometimes it's yeah. <laughs> more about experience and, and networking, of course, we've talked yeah. about too. So you said you love, grew up loving animals and then kind of learned to love medicine or fell in love with medicine. That's the part of this job that is probably my least favorite. Like <laughs> it stresses me out. So I'm always so interested when people like that and they, they feel excited about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to do... <laughs> anesthesia on this animal yeah. today and I'm so worried about a million things so wh like what do you think made you interested in that or how do you find comfort and not feel the stress that I do <laughs> well I think it comes with like doing it for as long as I've done it okay um obviously there's still situations that like if it doesn't make you nervous then like you're too comfortable <laughs> that's a good so, point um I just um I feel like the more experience I get, the more comfortable I'll get. But, like, I could easily say the same thing about, like, the husbandry side of taking care of these animals. Like, that would stress me out because I'm like, is this normal behavior? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it just kind of, you know, like, you guys are the experts in that. And then, like, you come to us with, like, hey, so-and-so's having this problem today. Is this a concern or not? Um, so it's, uh, 
I think it's a two-way street sometimes. Yes, no, definitely. Yeah. We have to work together and people think that because we take care of animals that we might know how to diagnose something. I'm like, no, I just say, that's not normal. <laughs> I'm going to let vet staff know. And then you guys come check it out for us. But we all, yeah, we all have our roles and have to work together. And I think that's probably one of the coolest things we've started recently. I don't know if recent is the right word, but more often now and in the last 10 years of vet techs and keepers working together on training. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, do you enjoy that part of the job? Absolutely. If it's something that I can um, do something for an animal, like no matter what it is, give an injection, collect a blood sample, even something as small as like take a medication orally, um, just trying to do something to make our jobs a little less stressful so we don't have to do anesthesia or find another way or do something that might be a little bit more stressful to the animal. Um, so I think that it is, it's a rewarding sort of, um, part of the job too, because you're like, wow, we worked really hard and we were able to do all of these mm -hmm. things. Yeah. You, know? you can see like the steps get yeah. to the finished progress of yeah. like, oh, the giraffe let us lift their foot today or <laughs> let us take an x-ray today. And 10 months ago, they were scared of this machine. And it's just like, I think it's just as exciting for you guys as it is for oh, us. Yeah. Cause we're like, we worked so hard <laughs> for yeah. that. So yeah, definitely. That's something that's really interesting for me always is just like seeing the progress because, you know, when we talk about taking a blood sample from an animal or hoof care on a giraffe or whatever, these aren't just things that we're going in one time and we're just knocking it out. It's like, no, we put in weeks, sometimes months, sometimes even years of effort and the vet techs will meet us once, twice, three times a week, sometimes even just to work on those behaviors. And like when you're in it, it's interesting for me to kite when I go over to Hippo, an area that I'm not quite over there as much, and I can see the progress. Because like when you're in it on the day to day, it's harder to see the progress. But then when you can take a step back and you see week to week or month to month, you're like, wow, they've made a lot of progress over here. They must have been putting in a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and that's always fun. Like having you guys come over and the animals at first maybe being nervous, but a month mm -hmm. later, like they're comfortable with you. So that's one of the important parts of us working with you. And that's where we see you the most, at least for me personally. Yeah. Um, thankfully, knock on wood, <clears throat> we don't do procedures too often because most of the time we have healthy animals or, you know, obviously there are yearly exams and stuff like that. But what are you doing behind the scenes or on a daily basis? You come to work and how does your day look? You know, that's a really <laughs> challenging <every> <laughs> question, um, but it's also one of the reasons why I love zoo medicine is because our days are so different. You know, we do have a pretty detailed schedule of, um, like a preventative care schedule that we follow, um, but we also keep like a weekly, monthly calendar of like, okay, we have these procedures happening at this certain time, um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we can have a problem arise that morning and have to deal with that. and again, do a procedure in the afternoon. Um, but for the most part, we do, um, as far as preventative care, so we'll do like our um, just general exams where we'll collect blood samples on them for just routine testing, save it for testing for um, potential um, diseases or things down the road, um, as well as like take x-rays on them, get baseline pictures to make sure that the images look okay. That way, if we do turn up sick in six months, we kind of have what normal looks like for that animal. Um, and then of course we'll do vaccines or anything like that at that time. Um, and that usually takes up the majority of our morning. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, into lunchtime and then the afternoon we will reserve for like training sessions. Um, we prep for the next day, um, depending on what is planned or scheduled. And then um, 
make medication uh, respond to, to refills. So we're kind of like also pharmacists. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so um, we can't prescribe medication, but we do like fill any of the requests that you guys send in to us. Um, so that can be time consuming um, depending on what, what it is. Um, and then get, trying to get that to you guys too. Um, and then of course we do like do the not so fun stuff where we have to enter in results into Zims or we keep our like medical records and things like that so that way we can follow up with um, and uh, just record keeping essentially so that, that can be slightly time consuming and unfortunately the not as exciting part yeah. of the job um, but it is um, it is unfortunately part of it so speaking of like the not so glamorous side something I wanted to ask you about that we get to just send off and not worry about What's it like for you guys running fecal samples? I know you're, like, testing for parasites and all this kind of stuff, but we each have, like, a quote-unquote fecal month where mm -hmm. our department has to collect a sample from every single one of our animals, send it to you guys, and I always got to imagine, like, that's so much work on your end, right? Processing all these samples. And what are you doing with the fecal yeah. samples? Yeah. Like, what, do you swab them? Do you tell, tell the listeners uh, what it's like? The glorious part <clears throat> of the job. Um, so it's, uh, we do something called a fecal flotation. So we take, like... I think technically it's roughly like two grams of whatever stool sample you get. Sometimes that's not always the case because birds don't produce I was just going to say, the birds are <laughs> yeah. so hard so to collect. So we kind of just take what we can get. Um, that's just, you know, that's just part of it. Um, but we do something called a fecal float and essentially has to, we mix it with a certain solution, has to sit for like 10 or 15 minutes, and then we um, read it under a microscope slide, essentially, and we're looking for eggs or larvae of certain parasites. Um, typically is what we see here um, and then obviously we'll be like hey we need to treat this right. or if you don't hear from us like we no news is good news <laughs> good thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's really not super exciting but they can be awfully smelly that's for sure what's yeah. the smelliest this one come to mind <laughs> um it's usually the primates like the gorillas uh, yes i've talked about that before <laughs> it's, their poop is just yeah. too human like or a lot of carnivore poop is yes. pretty nasty too so I was actually having this conversation with Eric and Wendy yesterday, two of our coworkers, <laughs> and it's so funny how, okay, so I think lion poop smells the worst in our department, and Janelle's shaking her head, she agrees, and Wendy was like, what? And Wendy's our primary lion person, so yeah. I think she just You're loves the it. lions, and she's used to it, and it doesn't bother her, and I'm like, it is by far the worst, maybe ostrich, theirs is just gross, it's, I won't even try and describe <laughs> it to you guys, but it's a lot, all at once. Um, and she was like, yeah, I think meerkat is the worst. I'm like, I don't even know what it smells like. It doesn't have a smell. And I'm like, I guess the building has like a smell to it, but I don't think it's poop. I think it's them or like they, they, they have anal glands that yeah. they mark things with. I'm like, what? I never would have thought anyone would say meerkat, but she was like, yeah, I think omnivore is the worst. So what would you say? To me, it's not even that it's like the worst smell, but it's just so overpowering as giraffe. Like oh. the minute you walk in that barn... I mean, you're just like hit the minute you walk in with this, the scent and it sticks to your clothes and like you come home and everyone can smell you. See, like, I would say that about elephant. Oh yes. yeah. 100%. Elephant. Okay. Yeah. So I've worked in quite a few areas <laughs> in this zoo and elephant 100% is the strongest sticks with you the most. And like, yeah. you can't, you just can't get rid of it. Like you could shower and you'll still right. smell like it, but I don't think it smells bad worst, because yeah. it's mostly hay. It doesn't smell good. Yes. But it's yeah. not like. I don't want to plug my Unbearable. nose. Yes. I think the same about giraffe. And then giraffe, yeah. I yeah. think I think um, their urine is very, like, strong mm -hmm. and, like, ammonia or something, and that sticks to you. Mm -hmm. 
but I wouldn't say it grosses me out. But I totally agree with you that in our department, 100% giraffe, like you smell like giraffe if you're in there for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like whenever we sit down for lunch, you don't even have to know who worked routine, what routine <laughs> that day. You can know exactly who's on the giraffe routine yep. just based on who, yeah. who We smells. get that a lot in the hospital too because like people will come back and I'm like, oh, were you just over at Primate? <laughs> so yep. yeah, we get it. We do it a lot too. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but ostrich is pretty gross. Ostrich, yeah. Those girls are It's very special. strong. It's <laughs> very smelly. And it's just the sound of it too yeah they they defecate standing up so just the sound of it hitting the ground is (laughs) something unique but they're birds so they also have urates at the same time so it's 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 a lot both solid and not solid um so we'll move on from that but that's part of your job is you help keep our animals healthy by testing their fecals and looking for parasites and and things like that um, for anyone who was considering, like, maybe they're in high school or college and they wanted to get into this field, what do you think would be the hardest part? Is it learning the medications or do the veterinarians mostly have to know how the drugs work and you guys are more doing, like, the counting and the making sure it's the right pill? Is it knowing how to draw blood? Is it knowing how to give an injection? Like, what would you say is the hardest? Um, I would personally think that <clears throat> everyone has their, like favorite part of being a tech and then their least favorite part of being a tech um and i in school we have to kind of like learn what specific drugs do any sort of um counter uh like reactions that could potentially happen or um, what you should do if something is they are having a reaction um and typically it is the vet's uh responsibility to take care of that and we just kind of follow guidelines but it's good for us to know so that way we kind of know what's gonna happen or potentially can happen um so that way we can also be prepared to fix whatever we may Mm. need to be fixing like Um, when we come to you with questions yes exactly. we're seeing this side effect and you guys can tell us it's normal okay exactly um so i being in zoo medicine is so different than being in small animal medicine um when i was in small animal medicine i would 100 percent say like put me in surgery so i don't have to have conversations with clients all day long Um, (laughs) well just because that was just it drains you after yeah a for sure um just having to talk constantly and answer questions constantly and i'm sure most people unless it's just an annual exam or stress so they're coming in for with a sick animal they probably aren't at their best exactly <laughs> um so that can be challenging um you do learn a lot from those um situations and those experiences for sure um but um i think my least favorite pro- probably is um doing like necropsies ah so, mm. um and see, I, I bet some people would say that's their favorite. Like, and we have some people on our team that go to necropsies. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's an autopsy for an animal. So when an animal passes, we do a necropsy, find out the reason that caused their death, and, you know, we can learn from it. Or sometimes you find nothing in its natural causes or old age, that sort of thing. Um, and sometimes it's a mystery and we never find out. And those are the hardest cases for us. Um, but yeah, some of our teammates want to go and watch. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, yeah. that's nothing. So is it because it's emotional for you? or It's is not it... emotional. I just, it's just, uh, and maybe it's like emotional in a way of like, it's not... It's not necessarily like a pretty sort yeah. of like situation, mm-hmm. um, but it's a fantastic way to learn anatomy, to learn about the animals that you're taking care of. And um, I think that's why some of the keepers like yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's like you you see the inside of, of an animal that you typically wouldn't, and I um, 
I think it's a great way to learn. Um, it's just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd rather be on the other side of things. Like, okay, we have an animal down. We need to take care of this. Like, emergency, what are we doing? Um, rather than okay, so um, that's picking not apart. Stressing uh, you out. No. Or, okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're good with emergencies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can usually handle those pretty well for the most part. That's good. Yeah. Now, we need those kind of people around because I don't think we all respond well in those type of situations. Yeah, and I think it depends <laughs> on the, yeah. I think everyone's kind of emotions and everyone handles that sort of, any sort of emergent situation in a different, they just handle it in their own specific way. And so sometimes it's overwhelming and sometimes they have like no idea what to do. Um, and so it's uh, it's definitely like something that it's just ingrained in me. I'm like, okay, we got to go. This is what we're doing. Um that's a, a really important. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was gonna say talent. I don't know if that's a talent. Um, it's like skill? an innate skill yeah, to like have. Yes. Skill. <laughs> yes. Um, so I doubt your answer would be that emergencies are your favorite. But I get what you mean by enjoying them. Is there like, are you good at them and that feels good? I just Is there feel something like that I'm you pretty level headed? Yeah. When it comes to it, and like I can set my emotions aside mm-hmm. for you know like. Gosh, this is this is a meerkat, and I really love meerkats. But like, we're having a major uh, problem right now, and like, I can set that aside and be like, okay, what do we have to Just do? What's focus. going on? Yes. Yeah. So, would that be your favorite aspect of the job, or what would be um, like if you came to the to work today, and somebody was like, you get to do this, you'd be like, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I actually like, thoroughly love like in field procedures. Okay. So, like, some of our animals are small enough that they can come back to the hospital, um, like. We did a penguin toe amputation yesterday. Um, and so obviously she was small enough that we could just crate her up and she could come back to the hospital. Unfortunately, we can't do that with a giraffe or, um, you know, any of the hippos or anything like right. that. So, like, doing things in the field okay. kind of help you be a little bit more... You can learn a lot because you have to prepare oh, yes. for more than what you would expect to happen. But you also kind of have to be flexible because if you don't have something, you go, okay, well, what can I do next? Or what's the other option I have if I don't have this instrument to do this? Um, right where the hospital houses all of that. Yeah. But when you're bringing it to the animal, it's you don't always know exactly what to expect. Yeah. yeah. Huh. It's so interesting to me how everyone likes different parts of the job. And some people like look forward to <clears throat> a procedure or like... Uh, catching an animal if they have to just to you know like some at other zoos sometimes they catch like antelope and they go in and just they they grab onto their horns and they give them a vaccine and they let them go and I'm like I would I would no I'll do anything else I'll be like guys I will do your routine your routine your routine your routine your routine unless you're gonna fire me for not doing this stuff I've actually helped hand grab like giraffe and stuff but it's still They're scary. babies, yeah. and it's a yeah. lot, and, like, something with horns and just, like, really breakable. I wouldn't want to hurt the animal, yeah. mostly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but other people think it's really exciting mm-hmm. and, like, an adventure, and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's what makes up, like, a good team. Exactly. We have three technicians on our team, um, and so I think... You know, I like that doing procedures and field procedures, and and maybe one of our other technicians is really in love with doing lab work, and so she's like, I have all the blood samples. I'm gonna disappear to the lab and and do what I need to do in there. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what kind of like is helpful for our team because we all kind of have our own passion for what we like doing. I was wondering if yeah. it, if it evened out for you guys or not. It kind of balances each other out. Yeah. Yeah. We try to be fair too, and not like make one person do all right. of these <laughs> things because. Procedures can be a lot, for sure, um, for one person. 
in general, but like we are a pretty good team. Mm. So again, for somebody who's considering this as a career, when you are doing a procedure, um, can you explain or like kind of help them visualize what you would be doing? So say the vets are doing some sort of surgery. What would you, like a spay or a neuter, like what would your job be? So um, typically we are monitoring anesthesia. So we're making sure that um, that animal is at a safe plane of anesthesia, that they're not too deep that it's going to um, cause a potential death or they're not too light where they're waking up on the surgeon. Um, so that's usually part of the technician's job. Um, and you're also doing a lot of the prep work for that animal too. So like you can't just put them on a surgery table and they're good to go. You kind of have to clip fur away or whatever species it is, um, scrub the area, make it as clean as possible so that when they are making an incision for whatever surgery is happening, um, that we're hopefully not going to introduce any sort of infection or bacteria into that wound or incision. Um, and usually it's like post-operatively care too. Um, in a small animal world is what I picture as post-operative care. Here is more like we usually give them back to the keepers and we're like, they're awake enough and we just need you to make sure that they're good to go for the night. Um, but um, in general too, you know, we learn uh, radiology is a huge part of our job. So we have to know proper positioning for how to take x-rays if we're doing chest x-rays or abdominal x-rays or even like we have a concern about like a broken bone or something like that, positioning appropriately for that. Um, and even dental x-rays, um, we recently got a new dental um, x-ray unit uh, machine, awesome. so that's super exciting, <laughs> um, so we can actually take good dental x-rays, um, and that's a task in of itself, because the positioning for that can be really difficult. Oh. It's not like you can just go to your dentist and put it in your mouth and then say, just bite down! Right. <laughs> so, it's a little different um, for those guys, um, so that's a huge part of our job. Um, blood collection is a huge part of any sort of procedure too. So like just knowing like main vessels or veins that you can use to draw blood from. Um, and um, that's kind of how I learned though is because I have two other technicians who have been here for quite a while. Um, and so they have a good amount of skill and knowledge in their little tool belt. So that was helpful for me because I was like, I don't know what a bird is. <laughs> so um, that was super helpful. Um, but that giving injections, um, or if you are, have a sick animal that you're doing IV fluids, placing an IV catheter, um, or even doing like a blood transfusion that we've done quite a few times recently, um, on two different species. So just kind of knowing what that looks like, the setup, how to run it. That's so, impressive. Yeah. It, it, it can be a lot. Like it's a, it's like a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you know, our days just, that's why our days differ so much because mm -hmm. we might have a sick animal that needs a blood transfusion. And so that kind of puts a stop to whatever else we had planned for the day. If it was just a routine thing right? Mm -hmm. um, to tackle whatever tasks we have at hand. So yeah. I think flexible. it's so important to stress like the amount of information and knowledge that you guys have. It's, in, it's always incredible to me because like, you're taking care of the smallest animals from a meerkat all the way to an elephant, herbivores, carnivores, omnivores, everything in between, reptiles, birds. Fish. Like, fish, yeah. We have fish here at the zoo, everything in between. And I just can't imagine. I think it's hard in our department. And we're yeah. mostly mammals. <laughs> like. It's a lot yeah. to know, yeah. Do you have a favorite animal? Just in general. Not necessarily that you like work on or train with or... 
I've always been a huge fan of like the big cats. Okay. Because I've always been like a cat person. But I have a secret love for the meerkats. So much. <gasps> oh, I didn't know <laughs> I that. Do. Well, that's good to I know. I walk past them and I get so excited because I'm like, they love me. They love me so much. I'm like, no, I just have a zoo uniform on. That's all they care about. Like, am I getting fed? <laughs> I love that you say that because they're my favorites. But also because they are one of the very few animals at the zoo that responds to a uniform. Mm -hmm. Like, you could walk by the giraffe, and I have no doubt that, like, Tessa, Zoe, they know who I am. They know that I take care of them. I don't think they, like, seek me out. They wouldn't even turn, glance my way if I walked by. But if I come in the building, they will feel more comfortable with me than a stranger off the yeah. street, right? So I, they know me in that sense. Mm -hmm. The hippos, they love people. They come over, but if I walk by, they don't, like, come swimming, running over towards us. But the meerkats, they're like... Zoo uniform. I'm running to yeah. you. And it's, they just want food. Yeah. But they make you feel so special. They do. And I was like, they make not... me feel so loved. <laughs> yes. And I love it. Not many animals come running towards people. So <laughs> and they can differ though. If you if I come in without a uniform on, they don't run towards me. If it, you know the public comes mm -hmm. by, they don't run. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they know what a uniform means. Mm -hmm. They do have yeah. great vision, so that probably helps. But they do make you feel special. They do. And that's why I like it. I think. <laughs> what about like as far as animals that you do? training alongside the keepers with is there a particular animal that's like rewarding or challenging in some aspect like i know for some animals it can be like quite a process to get them like habituated to being used to you guys mm -hmm. coming around mm -hmm. um like i don't know, I think that, like, like the giraffe are so or... sketchy sometimes they're so sketchy about new people yes. but yeah like i would say in general, for me, I think that the primates can be really difficult. Like, the big great apes um, can be difficult to work with. And not difficult in a sense of, like, they're just difficult. They're just so intelligent mm -hmm. that, like, you kind of have to be, like, 15 steps ahead of them. Because <laughs> they already know, like, why you're there. They know what you're doing. Um, and so that can be challenging. Um, but they're, like I said, I th they're just so smart. Yeah. Um, and so, like, they outsmart us 99% of the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking to Ashley, one of the primate keepers, in, um, a few episodes ago, and it's like, you might think they'd be the easiest to train because they're the most intelligent, but because they're the most intelligent, they can be some of the hardest to train yeah. because they know when a new person, but they see you often enough that you mm -hmm. bring shots. And, mm -hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> you know, where a meerkat wouldn't know that you bring, you know, a shot or a syringe or whatever, you know, right, that sort exactly. of thing. So they can be they a little more weary. You. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. But I'd say they're challenging. Um, rewarding, I think, in general for, like, our whole staff was when we went through and vaccinated a lot of our species with the COVID vaccine yeah. and follow-up with the booster vaccines, too. Um, that was a huge challenge and, like, a huge task. And just for what we were able to do to get done for most of the susceptible species, but also species that we were um, just worried about the public being around too, um, was a huge win. And I just think like of all the training that we've done, like that was a huge task. Cause I think the animal health team came together. The keepers were like, we have to get this done. It's gotta be done. We've got to do it. And like, it was just this huge giant teamwork thing that happened and it was yeah. felt good. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. And one of the things with that, I could be wrong because I have a bad memory, but you had to do like, you had to use a certain number of vials in a certain number of days or hours. Right. So it's not like you could just do giraffe this week, the gorillas next mm -hmm. week. Like you had to get yeah, a whole bunch done at it's once. A, um, 
it was a like a 10 milliliter vial so it essentially had 10 doses so we had to play and to vaccinate 10 animals that day or it would go to waste yes um and it wasn't like those vaccines were just easy to come across either so mm. kind of had to work hard for them to yeah get we them. had to decide as a zoo not like us mm. but as a zoo had to decide like which animals would mm -hmm. get them too so that was yeah, yeah. you only have a limit limited supply yeah. right. they weren't giving you as much as you yeah and the challenge with that was especially with the great apes that when we were trying to vaccinate them if they didn't want to participate in the you know the vaccine schedule that we made right. <laughs> if they didn't want to participate in that that day then we kind of had to have like three backup plans is okay then you know we're going to try this animal next if they don't want to participate then we're going to move to this animal and so it was just this huge like maze of making things work so it worked out and like i will always remember that yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and Very it was cool. really impressive because remind me on the timeline but i know you had to give just like with humans, you had to get one series, mm -hmm. and then there was, what, like six or eight weeks in between? It was and then three weeks. Three weeks, okay. Yeah. Three weeks in between mm -hmm. and another. And, like, that's Gain a short that turnaround. Back. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Gain trust back. Exactly. Like, Gaining that trust back on those animals that you just gave a vaccine to that maybe didn't feel all that great. Um, they're going to be like, this person was just here, and they just poked me. <laughs> now I'm going to have to do this again. Yeah. So that was challenging, but, like, we did it. And we're going to have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so is there anything before we wrap up and do trivia that you want to tell us or anything that you're really proud of or if you were giving advice to somebody who might be looking into this? Anything we missed you want to chat about? Um, I would just say um, there's a ton of positions kind of open across the zoo for vet techs. Um, if you are wanting to pursue something with a career, it, um, keep pushing for okay. it um, and keep um, working towards it, um, whether it's volunteering, internships, doing something like that because that's how you're going to gain the experience but that's also how an employer potential zoo is going to look at you um, and they're going to want you to have that experience so whether you're touching base with your local um, tech school program or you're reaching out to your local zoos or even finding internship programs because most every zoo does an internship program for vet techs so I'm just reaching out trying to communicate with somebody. See, I don't even think I knew that. I didn't realize that there were, like, I know you guys get interns sometimes, but I didn't realize it was an actual position that's, like, put out there. Okay. Yep. That's great. So, if you're interested, as usual, zookeeping, being a vet tech, being a veterinarian, like, if you want to work with exotic animals, try and get into a zoo volunteer gonna, internship program. You're going to have to work for free at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But it's worth it in the end. Yes. 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 Exactly. And you did say something, you mentioned something interesting at the, at the start of the show that I wanted to ask you about. I don't know how much knowledge you have about it, but I always think it's really interesting when I talk to like veterinarians or vet techs, like the different laws and rules that are available, like state to state, having worked in a couple of different states, is that something that you have a lot of experience with? Um, I just know that Ohio tends to be a little bit more strict with their laws. Okay. And California is one. Um, and a few states just require a little bit more education um, or passing the national boards essentially and being a licensed veterinarian because I have to, I hold licenses in the state of Kentucky and Ohio. Okay. Um, okay. But and it's only because I'm from Kentucky, but um, I, if you're practicing in a state as a registered technician, then you should be licensed in that state, and you can only get licensed if you have passed the national boards exam, um, which is required if you go to an accredited, uh, accredited institution. Um, but it is, 
it's challenging though because sometimes it's really frustrating because like I was born and raised and I even worked in northern Kentucky in small animal medicine and I could do everything under the sun like monitoring anesthesia give injections and that sort of thing but like as soon as you cross the river into Ohio the rules change a little bit and you aren't necessarily allowed to monitor anesthesia mm. or um uh, give injections and things like that, uh, depending on where you're at. Huh, even if you've been doing it for years or something. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Which I think is good because it kind of regulates, um, people use this term, uh, as like a generic, like I'm a vet tech, but, um, there's a little bit of a difference between like being a licensed slash registered slash certified vet tech rather than just like saying like I work in a small animal clinic. Yeah, because there's like sure. vet assistant, right? Yes. Which wouldn't necessarily be registered or pass national boards or exactly. that sort of yeah. thing. Exactly. So like I did my due diligence. I went to school and I took this exam, which isn't all that easy to pass. I'm sure. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. So it's um uh you know, I I think they're working on making like a recognition for how do we how do we group these people in a different manner because um, people just assume we're technicians, but, like, what does that mean? Right. Mm -hmm. So it means, like, we're pharmacists, we're phlebotomists, <laughs> we're laboratory technicians, you know, we do all kinds of things, and so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, when I had gotten into the field, I guess, naively, I had just assumed, like, you know, I understood that you had to be registered and accredited to work in an accredited institution, but I would just figured like it was a national exam, right? Mm -hmm. Like you pass this national exam and you can work anywhere, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. It's state to state, very specific. Yeah. Some states require like you can pass the national boards exam, but if you want to work in like certain states, you have to take another test too. Wow. Silly. Cause I'm like, I passed the national <laughs> boards exam. Like why do yeah. I have to take another yeah. exam? But yeah, that's a lot for sure. So. Man. Well, do you have any trivia? I got some trivia if you guys are up for it. I guess so. All right. We're obviously talking to a veterinary technician today, so trivia is veterinary focused. Oh, boy. Jenna, if you're up for it. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm always up to embarrass myself, Mark. And uh, in tradition to embarrass Jenna, we had to have, <laughs> we had to have a couple questions that talk about years uh, just to get Jenna's I'm timeline really on things. I'm really bad at guessing <laughs> when history happened. <laughs> So speaking of history, veterinary history, in what year was the first veterinary school founded? The first official veterinary is school. Is it Purdue University? It is not oh, Purdue don't University. Don't laugh. That's a good vet school. It is, it is uh, not Purdue University. That's a good guess. <laughs> but it, that's not what you're asking, though. Your year. In what, yeah, in what yeah, year? I just thought if I might be able the, to get that part of the answer. Fair enough. I'll, say, I'll give you bonus points if you know the school. Like... Um, Bonus points because you know points are very 1800s? important. I don't know. It's a good question. Nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen for Jenna. Guess. I feel like Jenna. it's earlier than that. I'm gonna say like eighteen seventy-five. You guys are both a little late. Oh, I guess if the zoo opened, I don't know when. A hundred years late. So, <laughs> so, right on so the first festival. <laughs> So the first vet school opened in 1761. No, it didn't. By, I'm going to butcher his name, Claude Bergelat. I'm going to go with Bergelat on, on the pronunciation. <laughs> your your ears your, are just as bad as I my pronunciation. So, <laughs> give me the next question. Oh my um, God. What school was it? And it was the Royal Vet School. The oh, Royal in, Vet in School England. In, in England, uh, yes. Okay, um, okay. Yes. I wasn't thinking over I was there. Thinking, like, <laughs> nationally, not internationally. 17 what? Oh, I should have specified. 1761. Wow. 
17, I'm going to take this back to my vets and be like, hey, do you know yes. where the first vet school is I want to know if any of them know the answer. I'll be impressed. I'll be impressed. All right. On to question number two. This was just in my uh, veterinary research, just something that I was totally unaware of. I'm clearly very naive when it comes to veterinary medicine. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But apparently in common practice with small animal medicine, with cats and dogs, there's only one organ that is commonly transplanted. Do you know what organ it is? I was naive. I was like, right, like humans can get all kinds of organs transplanted. Surely dogs is and cats kidney? can too. That's going to be my guess. It, it is like kidney. kidney yeah. It is the kidney. What's what's the reason for this? Do you know? A lot of older cats, just like in the exotic population, they tend to develop kidney disease fairly early. Um, and so I think um, it's not done very often. Um, and it's quite a lot of money to mm. pay for like a kidney transplant. How do transplant? you find I, the donor? I don't know how the science works behind all of that because I've never ever been a part of it. But I've heard stories of like them doing... Um, like kidney transplants. I, I just assume that it would be from like a healthy cat. Well, this, I mean, I wonder if people are um, using like one pet. Do you go get another? Oh my gosh, this is a weird topic. It is. Do you go buy another cat or dog and you're like, you're going to be a donor? That's a weird. Yeah. I don't know if it's like someone's pet that may have been like traumatically. Like, can you sign your animal up to be a I don't think so. Donor? I don't know how that. I don't know how that works. But I don't. I didn't I, expect you to know. But I'm just looking I've at you. Got to do ask some more research. Now I have a lot of questions, yeah. and it's kind of dark. But I was going to guess kidney just because there's two of them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that would be. It's usually from all the medical dramas that I watch. None of my <laughs> educational history. Grace I'd be like, me. oh yes, kidneys are probably the easiest <laughs> organ. Oh, man, I've never thought about For that. what it's worth, you've clearly learned more in your medical drama than I did, because I, I would not have guessed kidney. I was, I was like, yeah, surely they can do heart transplants. And, <laughs> Richard! And I don't know. I don't know where it would come from, but it was like, they do it for humans, right? That's so, like, true. Uh, like, you hear stories of, like, a human getting a pig heart. Yeah. Right? It's so, like, yeah. why wouldn't they? I just don't think that there's a lot of research probably behind it. Yeah. Like, and not everyone can, because like I mean, you're talking like probably twenty thousand dollars. If I were like as like a a pet owner to sure. go to like a surgeon to be like, can you put, yeah. can you replace this kidney? And how many sur- they aren't doing yeah. it often? So I no, wonder how many veterinary of, surgeons would have yeah. got to be specialized. Yeah, Dude, don't get really me wrong, my cats animal. are priceless. I'd give them the world, but I don't know if I have twenty thousand dollars <laughs> right. for a kidney. For a new kidney. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My gosh. All right. I kinda, now I want to find someone to come on the podcast and talk to us about this. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find a special oh kidney transplant surgeon. <laughs> All right. Question number three. This is our last question for today. My favorite doctor, v- veterinary doctor. <laughs> Dr. Seuss. <laughs> doctor, you're close. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> That's even better. Okay. I always loved Dr. Doolittle yeah. growing up because it's like, I'm sure anyone in the zoo right. field will, yeah. like, watched and enjoyed Dr. Doolittle. It would be the coolest thing ever. I always think of how easier your jobs would be, right? <laughs> As vet techs, if you could just ask the animal, and hey, yeah. what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Dr. Doolittle, in what year? He was started by the book, The Story of Dr. Doolittle, by Hugh Lofting. In what year was this book published? The Story of Dr. Doolittle. Mark. When I was growing up, I thought the only Dr. Doolittle was Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's been around now. for a while. I haven't seen it in decades. Um, I feel like it's an early book. 
But what's early? Clearly, I don't know what early is. <laughs> I think like 1930s, but I don't know. 1930 for I always I always go too recent, so I'm going to throw a wild card and say 1850. <laughs> 1850. Janelle's pretty close. Of course. The, the book, The I'm... Story of Dr. Doolittle by Hugh Lofting was published in 1920. Oh, wow. You were really close. I, like, I thought it was like a really like an old story. 1920. So, so Dr. Doolittle's been practicing old. medicine yeah. for, yeah, 100 years. Props to him. Props to him. He's medicine for 100 years. <laughs> Oh, man, I really nailed that quiz. I'm going to do trivia next time and make it really hard for you. <laughs> I say. Just embarrassing. I like these trivia questions. Yeah, I could fun. sit here and answer those all day long. I'm really good at getting oh, them really man. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Janelle, we've had a lot of fun. I've learned a lot about your job, even though I feel like I should have already known a lot about it. But if there was one thing that someone could do at home or at work or something to be a better steward of the earth, my question is, what can I do? Um, well, I would say, you know, at the at our department level, so our animal health team, like, we do uh, work pretty hard trying to recycle as much as we can. And sometimes you think uh, some of the medical supplies that we use, we do waste a lot of plastic and things like that. So we do our part by kind of, like, breaking things down, cleaning things, um, breaking down shipping materials because we get shipments in a lot and we ship things out a lot. So we do our part by... Um, like reusing boxes to ship other things out to the oh, lab. Yeah. Um, we also do break down a lot of like styrofoam or plastic um, bubble wrap kind of mailers and things like that. And we do our best to recycle those um, at the hospital level. And I know the zoo has a huge recycling program as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that's one thing is just kind of maybe looking at what you can do better for yourself at home um, and breaking things down a little bit more. Yeah, definitely, because some things you wouldn't assume that you can recycle, and it's much easier to throw them in the trash, trash for sure. But, like, if you wanted to start at work and do it as a group level where... So you can recycle these things, but sometimes they have to be taken to a specific facility or, you know, your local Kroger or somewhere might recycle something that you can't just throw in the regular, like, weekly pickup. Yeah, from... like the single-use plastics especially. Yes, right? yeah. exactly. But, yeah, that's a good one if you guys are working as a group to do those things and then making sure it gets to the right recycling plant or place. Um, somebody in an office setting that gets all sorts of things mailed to them, they could take that on. We encourage that. Let's yeah. 2023. We encourage you if you work in some sort of office, or you could do it at home if you get a lot of packages. Let's maybe say, start like an office, like what is it, Terra TerraCycling? It's I should know this, but I don't. TerraCycle, right? TerraCycle, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Or things that aren't necessarily able to go on just a regular recycling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Start a program mm -hmm. at, yeah. your, at your place of work. And yeah, like you said, even at home, like that's more like present than ever, right? I, who doesn't get packages from Amazon once a week right. at this point? Like, I, I'm ashamed to say it, but I do. So <laughs> like, it's like we can all do a better job at that just in your own life at home. and yeah. Especially with the holidays just having passed. I'm sure people are getting so shipments all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, things that you wouldn't necessarily think you can recycle, like putting in a little bit extra effort to do mm -hmm. those bigger things. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so much to do. So much to recycle. I know. It never stops. I just started thinking about all the packages we got over the last <laughs> month. And, um, 
Well, anyways, thank you. That's a good one. Thanks for being here and talking to us. And I know you're busy, and we appreciated it. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Good. Definitely. We're looking forward to next time you come and work with some of our animals. Well, ho- I should say, hopefully they're healthy, and you're just coming <laughs> yes. to train with us. Yes. Just a training session. Well, now I'll have, to, I'll have to bring you on some meerkat training so you can come yeah. see them. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Yeah. Take care. Until next time.